Hello, this is Nicholas Brown, and welcome back to another episode of the Second Sticks Podcast. My guest today is Steve Battaglia. Steve works as a first AD, or first assistant director. Enjoy. So I am here with uh, Steve Battaglia. Thank you so much for being with me on the Second Six Podcast. How are you doing today? Uh, excellent. Excellent. <laughs> so what is it that you do in the film industry? I am what you call a first assistant director. And what are, what are some of the responsibilities from that position? We are responsible primarily for scheduling a film, not only in its entirety, but also on a daily basis and a weekly basis. Uh, and we're in charge of uh, set management and the most important, set safety. So you're kind of like the, you're kind of, the way I kind of perceive it from my perspective is you're almost like the voice of the director in, in a way, where like the director would yeah. talk directly with the actors and then you kind of voice everything else to the rest of the crew. You sort of read the director, right. kind of read between the lines and try to extrapolate what his vision is because he's not, you know, not always going to be telling you exactly what he wants. Right. So a lot of it's second guessing and you try to make that happen in between action and cut in the most subtle way you can. Right. So what is it that got you interested in working in film? Oh my God. <laughs> Back when I was a kid, I saw this movie in Spokane, Washington called star Wars. And if memory serves, I was probably about what year was that? 76, 78. 78. So I was 11 years old. And I remember walking out of the theater and saying, first, first off, I grew up in a family where my father was a, an attorney and, it was always sort of stated and understood that that's what we would do. Our right. sons, we'd be, you know, the two sons would become attorneys. Mm-hmm. Walked out of the theater and said, I don't know what that is or how that's done, but I want to be a part of that. Whatever that is, that's what I want to do. That's and, cool, man. And it took me a long time to get there. I went to school, studied marine biology, uh, floundered around in liberal arts for a while. But finally, actually, finally, actually made it. How did how did you how that how did you work that out? I was going to school in Santa Barbara, and I was living with two housemates, and they, I don't know if the technical term is dropped out, but they basically took a leave of absence, and somehow had weaseled their way onto this small movie called Adios Thierry, which was released as Zand Lee. It was a Nicolas Cage film, shot in New Orleans. Uh, this was 1989. And they basically called me up. I was sort of transitioning at UC Santa Barbara into film production. And they called me up and said, hey, how about coming out and being a, an unpaid intern for a week? And I said, hell yeah. Yeah. I paid for my flight. And I showed up. Shorts, no socks, Converse low tops in the pouring rain. Because <laughs> <laughs> you had no idea what to expect. Right. Say again. You had no idea what to like what to expect. I had and... zero idea. Um, I had when I was going to school in Santa Barbara, a couple of movies came to shoot there, and I would go to school during the day, 
And then if they happened to be shooting nights, I would literally find out where they were shooting. I would stay up all night long. I was one of those guys standing on the street corner, just watching what they were doing. Yeah. Of course, it doesn't make any sense when you're an outsider. You have no idea what each person is right. it's actually just responding. Like a bunch of ants running around. Correct. So I knew it was going to be an ant farm. And uh, it was uh, pouring. I remember it was pouring rain. And they, thank God, had sent a van to the airport to collect me. And uh, Walt Lloyd was the DP. Oh, I love uh, Walt. Yeah, exactly. And this was, <laughs> I think this might have been his, his next film out after Sex, Lies, and Videotape. Okay. Which I really, it was a, I dug that movie a lot. So my dream was to show up and be a camera assistant and work right. in the camera department and eventually <laughs> become a DP. I always liked photography. Right. Me too. And... Of course, the camera department, as you well know, was completely slammed in the rain and had zero time to deal with this kid who had just stepped off the plane, soaking wet, no rain gear, right? soaking wet. And uh, I couldn't even tell you who it was, but they said basically, over there is the second AD, a guy named Joe Burns, who's a second AD from New York. And they said, go check in with Joe. He'll keep you busy until we can deal with you. And uh, I had a lockup outside that we were shooting at church, the lockup outside the church door in the pouring rain. And I had this walkie that was about the size of, I don't know, a small loaf of bread, like a <laughs> loaf of pumpernickel bread. It was so large. And Joe just basically said, when you hear the word rolling, nobody comes in the door. And when you hear the word cut, anything can come and go. And that was basically my first afternoon in the film business, freezing cold, Soaking wet and loving every second of it. I was gonna say, I'm sure you loved yeah. every single second yeah, of it. It was awesome. And it so was... it just it just took off from there. Did that? Did you get to know those people? And then they kind well, of kept hiring what happened, you. Or... You know, I still had the sort of the the idea that I was going to become a cameraman. And over the course of like that week, I started to notice how much gear the camera department had to deal with. And then I noticed here were the assistant directors who were pretty cool. And they kind of, you know, they were in sort of a management position and they carried around back then we had a silver tin that we hand, would handwrite the call sheets on. Um, they'd carry around a pen, their tin and a walkie. And I said, <laughs> you know what? Maybe that's a little bit more my style. <laughs> that was it. And that was it. At the end of a week, it was basically a week, you know, come on out for a week. And uh, at the end of that week, William Blaylock, who was the producer, said to me, listen, if we flew you back to Santa Barbara, round trip, would you be willing to take a leave of absence from your, your quarter at UC Santa Barbara and come back and finish the film, paid? Uh, you're going to have to find your own housing, but at least you'd be paid. And I jumped at the opportunity. I was going to say, I bet you that was the most amazing question that you probably ever had. I, yeah, it took me about time. half a second to figure it out. You know, it's like, <laughs> absolutely, yes. And uh, that was it. That was the first show. It was probably another month and a half left. And as you well know, that Joe Burns then hired me on his next, uh, his next film. And I think there was one more after that with him. But it just snowballed after that. And then at some point, you've told me the story about how you ended up on Twister, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Twister. I was doing a movie, I was doing a movie in, in Los Angeles uh, called Virtuosity. It was a Denzel Washington movie. I was the key set PA, and uh, uh, my best friend, who's an assistant director in, in L.A., Richard Oswald, 
had got this movie. It was a tornado movie. And it, and it was Jan de Bont directing. And Richard said, hey, come on out and, and you know, kind of run my set for me. And, uh, of course, it took me about half a second. You know, work in L.A. or go to Oklahoma and do a big, huge movie about tornadoes. So right. It was kind of a no-brainer. Yeah, of course. Uh, showed up. Uh, Twister was an experience unlike any other. It happened to be the film that I got uh, into the DGA on as well. So it was a good call. Right. It was an excellent career choice. <laughs> but some people on Virtuosities to this day still hold that against me. Really? No names. I'm not going to Well, of course not. No, 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 no. But at some point, you've got to just forgive and forget, right? One would think. <laughs> One it's been would. how many years since that movie came out? I couldn't even tell you. But Twister was... I want to say like 96 or 90, when you get to be my age, things start to kind of all just bleed together. It was probably 96, 95, somewhere right around there, I think. Yeah. Just getting back to Star Wars for a moment, I just want to say that- Everything goes back to Star Wars. Before anyone yells at me, I'm pretty sure it was actually 1977, so- 77. You can all relax. Sounds great. 77, perfect. So that would make me 10 years Before I get all the backlash. Right. Um, So- so what are some of the projects that, you know, you're obviously very well established now. What are some of the projects that you've worked on? Oh, my God. Um, I've done quite a few of the Transformer movies. Uh, I have run some pretty high-profile second units on the Expendable franchise, uh, one and three. Nice. Um, really proud of Road to Perdition. Oh, you did that one? I did that one with uh, Sam Mendes. I was the second, second AD on that. Wow. Oh, boy. What else? It goes on. Of course, there's Mr. Mercedes. Right, of course. Well. <laughs> um, but that's cool. God, you see, you've, got a, you've got a, gr- a great career. I did Brothers Grimsby down in South Africa. Ran the second unit on that one. Yeah. I've got a nice little career going. It just kind of happened by accident. That's really. awesome. Yeah. But that's, I feel like a lot of the best stories about people that work in film, it's like, I just randomly, you know, walked into an office and just begged for a job or something like that. Not that you begged for a job, but, you know, you went and did like an unpaid internship for a week and then it all kind of just slept on a hardwood floor. I've been there. Yep. (laughs) So what was your original long-term goal? So you talked about how you kind of want to do camera, but then you moved into, um, you know, being in the AD department. Did you want to be a director or, or? The desire to direct was never really there. And to this day, I can honestly say, I mean, you know, if that was a, if that should happen, just like every other advancement in my career, uh, I'd be blessed. But I really want, I really, really enjoy being a first AD. I like the, I like the, the, the contact that it allows me to have with the crew, developing relationships on set. Um, you kind of get, you get to play sort of both sides of the fence. You get the, you know, above the line exposure, you get a, you know, the crew side. Um, I'm pretty comfortable right now there. Yeah. But there's probably one or two more steps that I'll be taking. Right. Hopefully in the next few years. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see what happens. <laughs> so you've got some aspirations still. I do. Yeah. That's but great. the thing is, is that, you know, you know, I've always been the kind of person that just says, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful and I'm happy where I am right now. Sure. I have aspirations, but I'm going to hold off on telling everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm, I'm you know what I mean? Just sort of. That's also a general kind of approach I have in life. You know, it's just enjoy the moment, be in the moment, 
appreciate what you have and who's around you and see where that attitude takes you. Right. Yeah. That's a great way to look at life. Yeah. <laughs> I wish we could all do it that way. So, so let's pretend it's Monday morning. Tell me how your day goes. What time do you get to work? What do you do? Usually, although I'm not required to be on set until crew call, which is like the mass crew call, uh, and when the director arrives, I try to get there about a half hour to 45 minutes early, only because I like to see sort of the day unfold. And uh, a lot of the problems tend to sort of show themselves early in the day, sometimes before call time. Things that may not develop until later in the afternoon, but sometimes you get a sense of, you know, say this actor or actress comes in and is feeling grouchy or is sick or somebody falls off the tailgate of a truck. Right. You know, there's certain things that, I don't know, I just always found that being there a little bit early and watching the morning sort of develop has always been sort of a benefit that extends throughout the rest of the day. So I get there early. Right. Uh, we usually call, or we try to have the actors uh, somewhat ready, if not completely camera ready, for a rehearsal of whatever the first scene of the day is at call time or shortly thereafter. And then we sort of get into the uh, the rhythm of rehearse, set cameras, shoot, rehearse, set cameras, and that goes on for probably roughly about five hours, and up comes lunch. Right. And the hour and a half before lunch, you start thinking about how your day is going. Are you on schedule? Are you behind schedule, which is the worst? Um, and, you, and you just try to push to get to where, you know, you always have an idea of where you want to be in the day come lunchtime. And uh, you push towards that. And then you take your lunch break, which just going on the record, I hate taking. <laughs> well, I'll be honest with you. I mean, as a, as a camera person, I like, I feel like when we decide, like if we take like a 30 minute lunch, it always ends up being more like an hour, 45 an minutes hour, or an hour. Yeah, 45 and then an hour. because you come in and then everyone's just eating. So everyone's sluggish coming back. You know what I mean? And I've worked on jobs where they, because of like a hurricane or something, we had to change the schedule completely and they, we, they couldn't afford to give us like a, a breaking lunch. Mm-hmm. And so you, we would work like a powerhouse through the entire day. Yeah, you can get an extra probably 25% of work with very little additional output if you don't, I, I think, if you don't break for lunch. Of course, it's nice to take a, I mean, it's nice to take a break. Right. When people are tired and, you know, like say you're shooting in the hot sun or, or whatever it's required, you know, you just have to give people a break. But me personally, by the time you get to that lunch period, you're in five hours into your shooting day, you've got a rhythm going. Yeah, that's when once you've hit the rhythm. And, then, and you know, you hit your stride, everybody's into it, you break for lunch, and like you said, a half an hour break, really on paper, it's a half, sorry, it's a half an hour on paper, but in reality, it's like an hour and a half break. Because like you said, people are slow coming back, people's reactions and their energy levels are lower, and then you got to sort of, you got to get the machine running again, you know, right, which is right, like right. what you do in the morning. You know, you get yeah. the machine up and running, gets nice and warm and tuned and you got to do that all over again. Um, but then you eventually hit your stride again. You hit your stride <laughs> again about, you know, maybe hopefully about an hour and a half, two hours after that. And then it's just sort of a duplicate of the morning. You're just, it's the same process, uh, you know, rehearse, set cameras, shoot, rehearse, set cameras, shoot. 
until uh, the dreaded rap time comes. Dreaded. Yeah. <laughs> That's where you realize you have better made your day. Right. So what uh, surprised you about, about the film industry once you got in? The biggest thing that I found that I was attracted to was the camaraderie. Um, I found it very appealing that every, you know, what, four and a half to six months of my life, I would find me spending time with a different group of people, basically doing the same things as on every show, slightly different based on script, obviously, but with a new set of people that you then stay in touch with for a very long time because you may see them again two years down the road on a different project. Um, those people may become your best man or, you know, who knows? It's just, you know, you're just constantly exposed to a new group of people. Um, I can't imagine being stuck in an office where you have to look at the same people every day for, what, 35 years? Right. You kind of aggressively get to know people because of the amount of hours you spend together. Yeah. And then when it comes time for you to, where you like, there are times when me when I'll get sick of being around certain people, you know, right. and then I'll have a month, we'll finish, we'll wrap a show, we'll all hug and leave. And then a month later, I'm like, fuck man, I miss all those people. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, just going back to season two of Mr. Mercedes, you know, it's like when we came out here to do three season three, it has been. I mean, I don't want to make it sound horrible, but it was, it's been, you know, it's kind of been an emotional tear to realize that there's a lot of these people that we've spent two years working with or two seasons working with who aren't going to be there for right. good reason. Right. But it's, you know, it's like, it's like a part of your family. You know, it's like your brother got married and moved to, you know, uh, Bombay, India or something, you know, and it's, they're just not, they're there, but they're not there. Right. It's just kind of a, anyway. Yeah. Um, what else do I appreciate about the business? It's allowed me, I never really, back when I was a production assistant, which of course you don't make any money, <laughs> back then was even less. Um, overtime was unheard of. Uh, I'm surprised I've been able to make a pretty comfortable living from doing something that I basically found by accident, but very quickly realized that A, I was good at it, and that I really love, I, you know, it's a great thing to be able to wake up every morning and say, I get to go do this today. Right. You know? And it's different every day. I think that's, so there's yeah. something refreshing about like, there's just something different every day. So it's refreshing. And like, like you said, not instead of going to an office every day, you know, you're going to, you know, a different wherever, location yeah. or, you know, you're doing a, a stunt sequence, you know, that day or that night. And then the next night it's pouring, we're making rain and you know, it's just, yep. the I challenges mean, change with the environment and it keeps it fresh. Exactly. It's, it's great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so in closing, mm -hmm. uh, is there a piece of advice that you'd give someone who's Ooh. studying film, who's interested in doing this as a career? Um, two pieces of advice. One, I'm going to borrow from Tom Hanks and he said, and of course, I'm paraphrasing. This was a long time ago when I heard him say this. But it's kind of a no-brainer. You can't give up. It's going to be tough. You know, you know else just as I do. Getting that first job, which for me, I was really lucky. It kind of came to me. 
but as you get out there and try to hustle and try to establish yourself, you, you can't get up. It's gonna, I mean, you can't give up. Um, it's going to be extremely discouraging on days and weeks. And, uh, and in a certain aspect that never really goes away. Because right. as well as you know, as soon as we're done with a project, we're unemployed and you have to kind of go drum up more work. Right. So keep a positive attitude. And uh, a word of advice, one of the greatest first ADs I ever worked with, worked with was a, a gentleman by the name of H. Gordon Booz. And he told me once, back when I was a real young little PA, he said, Steve, all you got to do is shut up and listen. You know, you don't know anything. Right. Nobody cares about your opinion. And you'll be surprised at how much you learn if you just pay attention. Pay attention and listen. And then pay attention again. Because, you right. know, most people have a hard, you know, people's <laughs> attention spans aren't what they used to be. But that would be my biggest two pieces of advice. And don't expect to get rich quickly. Yeah. That's part of the. That's another thing that's like part of the. Uh, yeah. The 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 look of how the, or the, the folklore, whatever you want. Yeah, yeah it's like, oh, I'll I'll work for two years, and uh, you know, suddenly I got that new Maserati, and it's like, well, <laughs> you know, there are those that actually go out and do that. Right. But uh, don't expect that to happen to you. Right. And it's going to take a lot of hard work. But if you're lucky, and you get to a place in your career, such as where I am, and you look back. All the hard work, all the dedication, everything pays off, and and you find yourself in a really comfortable place. I think that for me, that's the that's the best goal to have. It's like just when you're comfortable to a point where you don't really have to worry. You're right. not you're not rich. I'm like right. you said. I'm, I'm not driving a Maserati, but it's it's a comfort. It's like being comfortable. You know. Right. That's just a really good spot to be in, and I think it's a good goal to try to achieve. That's an interesting question. Because <laughs> I mean, there's, it's like you know, you could can you come up with one or two things, sure, but there's actually probably about fifty things, you know, advice or you know, right. It, it's there's like endless amounts. The list of advice, is yeah. endless, but yeah. you know, shut up, listen, work hard. Basically, that's yep. like what it comes down. And don't to. give up. And don't give up. Right. Because there's going to be those days when all you want to do is throw your walkie at somebody and <laughs> turn around. <laughs> We've all been I'm there. Kidding. I'm kidding. All right, well, Steve, I think the I think that's it, man. Thank you so much for taking the time no to be worries. with me. I sincerely appreciate it. No worries. I had a great time. All right, man. Thank you. See you guys later. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the Second Sticks Podcast. As always, you can contact me via email at the Second Sticks Podcast at gmail.com, Instagram at the Second Sticks Podcast, or Twitter at Second Sticks Pod. If you enjoyed the show, please leave me a five star review and subscribe. Also, for those who love the show or are interested in lending their support, I've set up a Patreon page where you can donate at www.patreon.com slash the Second Sticks Podcast. Thanks, guys. Mm-hmm.